0: Welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram, and joining me on the line again this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter's the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League writer. And a bit of good news this week, Peter, finally got a date for the return of the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, at long last. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, um, in a month's time, Rugby League will be back, 2nd of August, which is a Sunday, with a triple header... We don't know where yet, but three matches in one afternoon at, at one venue, culminating in Leeds against Huddersfield. Um, before that, Paul Carr against um, Toronto and St Helens against Catalans. And then once that's out of the way, there'll be a full round of matches the following um, following weekend. So, yeah, all being well, assuming that um, nothing changes Public health wise, in a month's time, it'll be back up and running. It's going to be very interesting to see how clubs handle what's been such a long break, how players come back, what sort of shape they're in after their um, more or less four months layoff, whether teams that were in form before the break still are in form, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be a very different sort of competition with some, possibly some new rules. Um, one or two different players at, at different clubs. Um, James Graham, obviously, his return to St. Helens has been confirmed. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. So there's a there's a lot to look forward to. Clubs due back in three weeks before their first game. So it's not exactly going to be a mini pre-season, but the players I've spoken to and the coaches seem to think three weeks is enough. There's a little bit of concern about the contact side of things. There's not going to be a great deal of time to get used to that and obviously no practice matches but the positive thing is everybody's in the same boat and um, we're getting some rugby back, that's the most important thing
0: Yes, it's it's certainly good to see I think these, I'm right in saying these are the games that are kind of catching up from before the break where some teams have played fewer games than others Um, That's that's right
1: yeah, yeah it's strange that Wakefield aren't playing in in um week one because they've got a couple of games in hand but yeah these are matches that have been postponed from earlier in the season the season's coming down from the original 29 rounds to 22 so we're losing the loop fixtures which were uh, where teams play each other a third time and the magic weekend's been scrapped that was postponed in april but it's now officially been cancelled um but we've already got a date for next year when it's going to be held at the end of may at st james's park in newcastle
0: yeah yes i saw that yesterday that they were hoping to get it on on the bank i presume that's made the weekend after the bank holiday actually next year um but yeah good news at least as you say there hasn't been a venue picked yet but when i was subbing the paper last week doing this story i was so sure it was Going to be at Leeds. I actually keyed that into the caption and then went back and checked and said, Oh no, it's a venue still to be decided. But I think, you know, if it's a heading here, would be a great place to start. Like you, I was quite surprised that Wakefield didn't have a game that weekend, given that they've got a couple of games in hand. But no doubt when the full fixture list emerges, we'll, we'll see how they're going to fill those gaps in and teams are going to catch up. As you say, a greatly different-looking sport and a truncated season, but at least there's going to be some games played which should help with the financial side of things in terms of the Sky contract. And uh, hopefully, you know, the players themselves seem fairly confident that they're ready to go and there won't be too many injuries. I noticed Nathan Massey from Castleford last week was tweeting his concern about playing so many games in a week. I don't know if you managed to see that, but he was... Sort of putting it out there that he was he'd seen some of the things that had gone on in australia and he was quite worried that you know playing three games a week might lead to injuries for players over here as well
1: it's certainly it's certainly a concern and they're not doing that in Australia they're not playing three games a week they're just playing once once a week but there have been some injuries to Two influential players, the two ACLs in the Roosters game last yeah. week, which is obviously very unfortunate. That may be a legacy of players having a, a long break and then having to come straight back into action. Let's hope we don't see similar situation over here, but injuries are an inevitable part of Rugby League anyway. A lot of coaches are talking about using their full squads for the rest of this season um, and giving young players a chance basically yeah. not relying yeah. on the the older experienced players every week that's obviously I think whether there's promotion or relegation um, will have a bearing on that and the, the teams that have, have got a chance of getting to the grand final <clears throat> excuse me are obviously going to want to put the best foot forward but I think it could be a good opportunity. Richard Agar, the Leeds coach, said we might see some surprises, and possibly we will. There might be one or two players who come through who we don't know much about, who get a chance over the next few months because it's a a lot of games packed into a short time and and who come on and and really impress and, and go on to become established Super League players. So that's an exciting aspect of it, but you can certainly understand the players' concern. They have had a long break. There's been very little rugby over the past year or so. But obviously it's a physical game. Injuries happen. It's going to take time to get used to the the impact, the collisions particularly. But I think coaches have been aware of what the situation is and I think they'll be sensible about it.
0: Yes, let's hope so. I'm sure they will. And I think, as you've mentioned in the past, with the reserve competition being scrapped this season as well, that obviously gives more scope to introduce more fresh players into the equation. And I guess teams will manage games as the weeks go on. Uh, You know, maybe if if the Challenge Cup does come back, we haven't heard yet whether that is or not, but, you know, teams may be playing in that, may, you know, shuffle their packs accordingly. to get you know different 17 maybe to the one they may play in the league or those going as you say for the top of the table uh, you know may pick and choose when their star players play but you know overall long last you know we have got a restart date and it'd be interesting to see you know how they go on how they cope with playing without crowds as well Um, and you know again i think we've discussed a few times with regard to the football that it's very strange hearing everything that's been said, but also uh, teams who are maybe not playing so well aren't getting their fans behind them and and Ditto, those playing well, uh, maybe not getting just over the line with the fans getting behind them. So, you know, hopefully again, we can get some crowds back in sometime before the end of the season, uh, depending on government advice.
1: Yeah, the hope is for... Um, well, initially it was for October, but now some people in the sport seem to think september might be possible obviously we do we don't know what's going to happen public health wise um, as we're recording this leicester is being locked down again yes. because of a, a spike in coronavirus cases so there's always a danger that, that that could happen and and put everything back on hold which would be pretty disastrous for the sport and for society generally but you mentioned the Challenge Cup there. That's an interesting one. The Challenge Cup is going to going to take place. We don't have a date or a venue for the final yet, or even when the rounds are going to be staged. The the problem with that is that the low division clubs can't decide whether they're going to play on or, or not yes. this season. And obviously I think there's five low division clubs left in the Challenge Cup. If they don't come back for league matches, what happens to the cup. It's been mentioned that maybe that if a Super League club has been drawn against a lower division club, they'd just get a bye through to the next round, which is a way of, obviously a, a way of dealing with it. Um, it's very frustrating, the situation in the Championship and League One. They had a meeting last week, and it was hoped that maybe they'd come to some sort of agreement then, but from the sounds of it, the, the meeting was very much split over whether the competitions will resume this year or not. There's a few issues. Clubs in the low divisions are concerned about having to play behind closed doors. They think financially that's not not going to work for them. Um, There's a feeling from some that if there's no promotion or relegation, then what's the point of restarting? Obviously, some clubs, the clubs that are looking at promotion, particularly from the Championship to Super League, are, are very anxious to come back, but yeah. if you were a, a club towards the bottom of the Championship with no real aspirations other than to, to stay at that level, why would you want to, to come back when your players are on furlough at the moment? You'd have to take them off furlough to play, there's, there's costs of that and no one can through the gate for a, a while at least why would you um why would you want to come back and I think some clubs are are thinking that way it but it 's frustrating that it's dragging on that the announcement after last week 's meeting said that um clubs are going to be surveyed on their thoughts, and that will go to a board meeting on the sixth of sixth um, of July, but it said that clubs were even split over when they should make a decision about whether right. they 're coming back. <laughs> So that's, that's not a good sign, no, is it? No. Um, I think the RFL are, g- are going to have to get a grip of this and, and make a decision, I think, because you can't keep going on saying, well, we don't know whether we're going to come back or not. A decision has has to be made. Clubs old coaches are already starting to think about next year, um, as you would do in July, it's sort of recruitment season. They can't really do anything about that. So we know what's happening in, in 2020. They need to get a grip. They need to get a hold of it and to make some decisions. And either say yes, we're going to have a, a season, a shortened season, with or without relegation, whatever, or no, we'll null we'll and void it and we'll forget all about 2019, uh, 2020. Sorry, and we'll start again next year. But they need to they need to get that sorted now. Time is passing. We're um, we're nearly in July. The season Super League season is going to end in November. Let's just just make a decision.
0: Yes, yeah, I'd I'd agree with all of that, Peter. Yeah, I I think over the years we've learned that Rubber League decision-making, sometimes the wheels turn very slowly indeed in the smoky boardrooms. And, you know, (laughs) obviously everybody's got their own piece of self-interest, as you've just outlined, between the ones who've invested to be promoted and those who are pretty much, with all respect to them, not much more than social clubs, really. You know, what as we said last week, Clubs who come together on a Sunday, play a game, people have a drink in the bar afterwards, they make the money from that and programme sales and merchandise and food and so on. And they're just happy to be still part of the sport at a level above the amateur level. And my own personal view, and I keep coming back to this, is that I just think that somebody's waiting for someone to blink over the issue of promotion and relegation and the fact that You know, if the Super League clubs suddenly turn around and said, well, because of the truncated season, the reduction in the number of games and the break that we've had and we don't know what's going to happen, say, down the line with the virus again, then we're not going to have any relegation this season and we're going to plan around staying as we are for next season and see what happens then. And I think then maybe that might swing the lower division clubs into saying, well, okay, then reluctantly we'll call it a draw because really there is no point in going on if there's no chance of anyone being promoted i know that would cause another row then between those clubs like Lee and featherston who've invested to try and gain promotion this time but in the end i suppose the majority will will prevail and uh, for, for you know as i've said several times on this program in the past i think that they should just call it a draw for this season you know and don't put themselves in any further peril financially and just say, well, you know, it, it was a real freak one-off, something that none of us have ever had to deal with before. And, uh, you know, and hopefully we can all come back next season with every club still intact. Because, of course, uh, there's there's wages play, testing as well. We talked about last week the cost of testing all the players as well, bringing them off the furlough. Uh, just seems common sense to me for this year. Uh, out, outside of the f- top few clubs, that really, you know, should perhaps call it a draw, and start again next time.
1: Well, that may that may be what happens. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, some clubs want that, other clubs don't. Um, in terms of promotion and relegation, there won't realistically let's let's be honest, Though no decisions officially be made. There's not going to be relegation. No, there's no way Super League clubs are going to allow relegation this this year with the truncated season with everything that's happened whether they all say well okay we're not going to have relegation but we'll have promotion we'll go to 13 clubs next year which will give one team a bye every week and then maybe up to 14 the the year after I don't know I'm not sure that the pump is strong enough quite yet to do that but that is a possible option um, that that's the big decision that that has to be has to be made but c- certainly the super league clubs aren't going to um, with midweek matches and everything aren't going to vote for uh, no for, for relegation turkeys don't don't vote for Christmas do they they'd, they'd be silly to um, silly to give that the go-ahead I think self-interest will come first on that one but promotion possibly
0: definitely you could see you could see an, an argument for the promotion but when we think back to the last time that there was uh, 14 teams in the league I think there was a worry that the talent had been spread too thinly and again with the financial issues that the clubs are facing next year you would think that you know spreading the pot even more thinly would be something that the top flight clubs would be eager to avoid um, but again as you say something we're not party to at this moment in time but it'd be interesting to see how that unfolds and just talking there about uh, potential losses clubs mate yourself and others have reported this week on the horrendous amount that Leeds Rhinos might lose if you know or are are projecting to lose over the next 18 months £4 million was it I just find that an absolutely staggering thought you know if if Leeds are in line to lose that kind of money how do the other clubs cope
1: Leeds are in a a tougher position than a lot of the clubs just because of their size really, because of the size and diversity of their business a lot of even Super League clubs aren't that big in terms of the number of people employed, certainly away from the rugby operation, Leeds have got 150 employees um, they've got a catering business, they've got banqueting They've got um, a hotel, um, lots of different aspects to their operation. And they're still effectively paying the mortgage on on the new facilities, which were only opened last year. So I think the size of their business, which is normally a strength, is is a problem for them at the moment. But it's a very worrying situation for Leeds. I've done some comments about that in my um, comment piece, which it's in the paper every and online every Thursday, that there are clearly more cuts coming at Leeds. The problem they've got in the rugby department is they can't do anything about retention or recruitment until they know what the budget is going to be for next year. They don't know what the budget's going to be until a decision's made on how many games that they'll get to play in front of a crowd, how many home games. Yeah. Anyway, that obviously determines income for the rest of the season. But it's a, it's a very worrying time for Leeds. I th- actually think some of the smaller clubs will probably be in a, a little bit better position. That, their wage bill's not as high, maybe, not just in terms of, of players, but um, across the whole business. And... I think one or two of them have, have actually weathered the, the situation a bit better than than um, maybe was expected. I, I think Wakefield are a club that people might be concerned about because they're obviously they've had financial problems in the past. They're they're being well run at the moment and and living within their means, but they're not the biggest of operations. But I think in some ways, and you. Um, have some insight into this i think rich um i think wakefield are, are, are a club that are, are well placed to come out of this in hopefully in decent shape
0: yes yeah i think as you say i think that's right you know chatting to somebody the other day um who knows someone down at the club and they were saying that uh, obviously a lot of the staff are already on furlough anyway and then the actual overheads on the day aren't as great because I think I know from myself, from going down there, a lot of people, it's like on the day, the stewards and the food and things like that. And obviously an army of volunteers as well at Wakefield who do a great job down there, helping out, helping the press and you know showing people where they need to go and so on, and purely for the love of the club, I suppose, and getting to see the game. Uh, so ironically, those uh, who haven't maybe spent up to the cap or spent as much on salary and and the wider operation are, as you say, in probably a better position, ironically, purely because the, the expenses that they do have, they've been able to kind of jettison onto furlough and then obviously no doubt still missing the income coming in from match days, merchandise sales and their share of the other sort of food facilities or whatever that, that go on around the ground, Golden Gamble, etc., etc. But certainly you would like to think nothing like 4 million, um, you know, it does make you, you know, the biggest spending clubs, obviously if the thing about the furlough as well, of course, is that it only pays a proportion up to two and a half thousand pounds, doesn't it? I think it's 80% up to mm. two and a half thousand. So anybody on more than that anyway, isn't getting their full money. And you would imagine that some of the bigger clubs, obviously some of the top players would be on more than two and a half thousand a month. Uh, That's right, isn't it? It's two and a half thousand a month, I'm sure. Mm, So, you know, they're losing out and and you would imagine some of these clubs then would feel that, well, we've got to somehow pay some or all of this money, you know, to make up the difference. So, you know, it's very tough times for some of the clubs, uh, you know, and it, I knew that Leeds obviously had a bigger operation and you have to take into account the money that they've just invested not just for this year but for the future generations in rebuilding the ground but that really that really brought it home to me you know just you know the parlous situation some clubs find themselves in you know I really do hope that they can find a way out of it Yeah well will Gary Heatherington
1: addressed that point last week he, he's confident that all 12 Super League clubs will get through this year um, with the Sky money being paid in full this season. Obviously, there's a rebate next year. Yeah. With the £16 million loan from the government to the RFL, but next year's a, a big concern. I think that the teams that have got a rich backer who's willing to stick, who can draw on the rich backer to... Um, to from the team are, are going to be the ones that have the success over the next few years while everybody else gets back on an, an even keel, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that could well be right. Um, You know, the main thing, obviously, let's hope everybody gets through it to start with. Uh, but then teams, obviously, will be very cautious in the amount that they'll be spending and the players they'll be recruiting. Uh, one positive of that, as you mentioned a bit earlier, maybe it will give a chance for a few of the younger Players coming through, clubs might have to rely on producing and scouting their own talent. I know clubs do that now, uh, but actually retaining it rather than seeing some of it being snapped up by some of the so-called bigger clubs. And I've no doubt as well it will influence uh, retention decisions as well. And I know you've done a story this week, again, something we've been discussing over the weeks. Uh, Stevie Ward and Richie Myler leaving Leeds for Toronto. Will Toronto have a rich backer? And you'd imagine those two players, you know, be on good money at this stage of the career with Stevie being the captain. And uh, difficult for Leeds to to offer them anything. And and likewise, uh, so just going on from that, Danny Bruff, another old rugby league stalwart down at Wakefield then, he'd be signing for Bradford next season, Danny. And Wakefield said, "We, you know, you can wait and see, but there might not be anything to see. So if you've got something to go to, you might as well take it now and, and see where we are you know, down the line. Well, it's with Danny Brough, it's, he's a good signing for, for
1: Bradford. It'll be interesting to see him working with John Keir, his old yeah. Hull boss. Um, <laughs> again, obviously a Challenge Cup winning combination um, 15 years ago for Hull against Leeds. He's at the end of his career, it's a chance for him to play on. I think he'll be very influential even at 37 in the Championship for um, for Bradford. Good signing for them, but clearly Wakefield needs to be looking at, at moving on in the halves. Um, so that's I don't think that's a surprising decision on either part, no. really. For, for Leeds, I mean, it's a shame that Stevie Ward, it seems, is, is leaving. Um, captain this year, he's very well thought of, at the Rhinos, but he wants the security of a long-term deal, obviously, and he will be one of their better earners, and he's had his injury problems, hasn't he, well documented over the last few seasons, and Leeds obviously are going to be hesitant to offer a long-term deal to somebody who's played, I think it's seven appearances in over a year, so that will be a factor. He gets on with, Brian McDermott. Um, McDermott rates him highly. It's McDermott, who's obviously now the Toronto coach, who gave him his Leeds debut. Um, and I think they'll see him as a replacement for for John Wilkin in in their back row, if he stays fit. He's an excellent addition for um, for Toronto. Really good player. Certainly would have would have international caps by now if it hadn't been for his for his injury problems. Uh, and maybe the change will, will do him good. Perhaps that's what he needs at, at this stage of, of his career. Maybe just a, a, a fresh some fresh scenery and, and different teammates might might um, work for him. In terms of Richie Myler, I think Leeds ideally would like to keep Myler um, but he wants to to be started every week. He's only started once for Leeds this season. That was that fall back. Yeah. Which is, is pretty um pretty unexpected really at the start of the year. He's now be, he's lost his number seven jersey to, to Luke Gale. He's very effective as a backup hooker. Or as, as he's proved how good he can be at, at fullback, but he wants to be playing every week as another high earner. He's a luxury for Leeds to have him sitting on the bench or not to be starting um, in, the seven, in the 13 every week, Toronto are obviously offering him a chance to, to replace Josh McCrone next year and to be their first choice halfback. And you can totally understand why he'd, he'd take that, um, that opportunity. Well I've got a lot of time for Richie Mallory. He's much criticised at Leeds for his first two years at the club when he was playing halfback. He was in a struggling team um, behind a pack that were often beaten um, most weeks but his attitude's been spot on and he's he showed this year with the way he's got stuck in it as the replacement hooker and even at fullback. Um, what a good professional he is and what he can bring to the team and I wish him all the best if and when the uh, Toronto deal's confirmed.
0: Yeah, uh, as I said, go, just going back to Danny, uh, back end of his career, I think I've been nearly 40 when his Bradford career ends, which inc- incredible that he's, he's still going at such a level. Um as you say, good luck to him in, look, in kind of looking after himself and one last move and all that. Um, as you say with Stevie, I just really hope that wherever he goes, whether it's Toronto or if he ends up staying at Leeds somehow or goes somewhere else, I just hope he gets an injury-free run to show everybody what a great player he is when he's fully fit. But again, in these straightened times, you can understand why Leeds... Maybe can't afford to gamble on another two or three year contract for a player who's hardly featured over the last twelve or eighteen months, and Richie again, as I said on this show the other week, you know, he's always got on with it, hasn't he? He's, he's he had a he came into the club at a difficult time, there were a lot of changes on and off the field, but he never moaned and complained. He's took his head down, even this year when they brought Luke Gale in, he said. I'm up for the challenge and, you know, clearly one of Leeds's best players at the start of this season and showing his versatility too. And, you know, a great addition for a club like Toronto who are obviously trying to establish themselves for the long term in the top flight. And, uh, you know, bring that sort of top club mentality, both himself and Stevie and Callum Watkins, of course, who went there a few weeks ago, uh, bring that mentality to the club and, and help take them up to the next level.
1: That's exactly exactly right. Yeah, all all good additions for um, for Toronto. And it rather suggests they don't expect to be getting relegated this year. Yeah, as, um, very true. Yeah, as well
0: as well. Another thing we ought to be talking about this week is um, something that
1: we've heard of happening down under. Um, the All Blacks, um, the All Blacks, New Zealand Rugby Union team, are looking at playing the Kangaroos, the Australian Rugby League team, in some sort of money-raising, um, fundraising match at the end of this season. We're not sure what the rules of that are going to be, whether it be half the match of Union half League or whether it be some sort of hybrid game with a combination of, of laws from both sports. But um, it's an idea that's been been muted in the past.
0: What do you think of that, Rich? Yeah, it was a a strange one, really. I mean, particularly when we take into account we've discussed on here several times about the fact that the Ashes series was even before the virus was going to be an essential part of our season, uh, both to round off the domestic and to help the international team ahead of the World Cup. And obviously all the money that was going to bring as well into the coffers, which is something else that our clubs are going to lose out on now. And then all of a sudden there's almost this like Fred Carnot's circus, you know, Frankenstein rugby going on. And, you know, they tried it in the past, didn't they? When I think Bath played Wigan about 25 years ago and rather predictably Wigan hammered them at rugby league and Wigan put up a better show in the union game, but ultimately got flashed as well. I think 44-20 or something. Uh, and people are saying now that the two codes have come a lot closer together and obviously, part of that is there is quite a lot of rugby league players now uh, coaching international and top rugby union teams, so their defences have become a lot better. And there's a lot more emphasis on retaining the ball in union now uh, rather than the old kick and clap, as my old friend and former professional Kevin Harkin would have called it. You know, uh, so yeah, it's very strange from the reaction I've read. Uh, A few players seem to be in favour of it, but the officials in Australia at NRL aren't too happy. And a couple of journalist columns I read over the weekend down there, they they were fuming about it too and saying that, you know, if anything, if the Australian National Rugby League team is going to be playing, then it needs to be playing rugby league um, full stop. You know, it doesn't need to be taking part in these games. Uh, one of the journalists even suggested that the NRL, strangely just going off at a brief tangent, should buy Super League and um, turn it into the sort of adopted son of the NRL and use it as a way of uh, blooding their players over here as well, which was a, a strange one. Maybe we could discuss another week and look into that further first.
1: Mm, well, I'd be in favour of anything that can... That that idea doesn't particularly appeal, but anything that can can add some money into super league because that's a big problem with the the I don't know what you call it now do you call it the European game
0: yes northern it's not. game northern hemisphere the, I think really now with the Canadian English,
1: French and Canadian yeah. game is a, is a complete lack of lack of money that's a, that is the root of all its problems there isn't enough money in the game in terms of this this match between um, the All blacks and the kangaroos I think you're and the Frankenstein's monster of a game. <laughs> I just hate the idea. Not not interested in it, in the slightest. No, no. The kangaroos will be better at rugby league than the All Blacks. That's not a shock, is it? And no. the All Blacks will be better at Rugby <laughs> Union than, than the kangaroos. Well we yeah. want prove it. Doesn't prove anything. It makes me very annoyed that the australians are even considering it when they've shown no interest whatsoever in promoting the game of rugby league at, at a global level we've we've discussed on here before uh, their lack of support for um, for international rugby league um and the thought of them playing this this frankenstein's monster of a game as you if you put it to to Boost the coffers after a, a financially very difficult year. It doesn't sit sit right with me, and I, I wouldn't, um, I won't be, the slightest bit interested in um, in watching it. I was at the, the Wigan Bath game at Main Road, Manchester, in '96, uh, yeah. and Wigan won. I think it was something like 80 points to six, and it was just it was just a complete waste of waste of time. I think. The rugby union, that was just after union had, had gone openly professional and there was a big difference in fitness and skill levels. I'm sure that gap's closed quite considerably now, but it just it just doesn't prove anything. Um, the rugby union is a more technical game, we all know that, and rugby league players aren't, aren't built to... To um, be effective in in the lineout or a rugby union scrum, who in rugby league knows how to um, how to hook the ball out of a, out of a scrum? Yeah, no, it, it's just it, it's just a waste of time, and I, I really wish they wouldn't do it.
0: Well, I think originally when the the original games between Bath and Wigan, I think as you say, it was just after Union had gone openly professional, but also I think had Wigan played in the Middlesex Sevens the famous Rugby Union Sevens tournament that used to be played back end of every season in fact I think it still is but it doesn't have the same kind of kudos in the Union calendar that it did back then because it was like a big social end to the season and I think it's fair to say that Rugby League is probably a, a 13 man version of Sevens and if rugby league and rugby union were going to get involved at all, then maybe they should be playing some kind of sevens game and or tens even with, you know, just to put extra players on the field so that it didn't just end up in a blowout or people just running in try after try. So there was actually some midfield competition as well. And that might work uh, if you're wanting to have some kind of hybrid of the two where you see good handling and you see good kicking and maybe a, a token nodder to Scrum to restart and things like that, and um, but overall, I think like we found the last time and we'll find again this time. Once you've watched a few big hits and and the particular code that they're playing at the time, that team starts to get on top. You will soon be reaching for the off button, and uh, you know other than to make money, uh, I don't see what it'll prove at all. As you say, we, we know already the two outcomes and and. Probably the only other slight difference would be, you know, who could keep the score down the narrowest, whether, you know, the union game side of it or the league side of it. Uh, But other than that, and again, we've said many times on here, Australia doesn't promote rugby league and has shown, you know, put the state of origin ahead of the Ashes tests at the end of this season, which again, are becoming more of a generational thing now than every four years or two years or whatever. And you just think, well, you know, obviously, Australia have to look after their own, but it doesn't sit well with me either. And, you know, I hope you know, I'd much rather see an Ashes game that benefits both uh, competitions financially and uh, helps the international teams ahead of the World Cup. But as we always seem to come back to on here, money will always talk. And uh, I think at the end of the day, that's <laughs> if the checks are down and the TV companies are interested, it'll happen. Yeah, I think that's your absolutely spot on that rich and on that note Peter, i think uh, we'll leave it there for this week and uh, another week nearer to the resumption at least and uh <laughs> yeah, thank goodness i know we've been ticking them off our calendar for a while now but it is actually uh, be july the next time we speak so then <clears throat> not too long to go then <clears throat> excuse me so thank you again for your time this week pete And a reminder, as as we say every week, uh, you can get the very latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at Peter Smith, Smith, excuse me, YEP, or my own at Richard Byron, YEP, and at YEP Sports Desk, and also on our website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk, for the very latest rugby league sports and coronavirus news. So all that remains for me to say is thanks for listening. Thanks to Peter again for his time and comments, and we'll see you all again soon.